Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor, and I'm with my good friend and pup, Sterling Holmes. Sterling, how are you, my friend? You, uh, you've been like the last of summer festivities before. Before you have to report to training camp, you've been living it up a little bit. Oh, dude, I'm gonna report way out of shape, way overweight. Oh. I'm looking like Leonard at five net out there. That's what it's looking like. But no, I've been good. I uh, I visited your neck of the woods, went down to southern Indiana, had myself a good time, family reunion, 150 people there, had to play basketball against my 6'10 cousins. It was uh, it was fun. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. I want to clarify a few things. One, was there legitimately 150 people at your family reunion? Yeah, my mom has 40 first cousins. It's, it's a yearly event. It's fun. How many names could you accurately like place upon people at this? I want you on record. I want all of your relatives to know how many you don't know their names accurately. Oh, I know zero of the Tykes names, like from ages, I don't know, 20 down. Good luck. Uh, I would say I know about 60, but it's good for basketball. We got some athletic cousins out there. You could do your own like tournament like your own like you we could do an aau tournament or something oh we do three on three it's very physical i accidentally decked my six six cousin in the dome with my elbow right and i go foul he goes uh-uh sterling that's no foul and i'm just sitting here going i am so glad i'm related because now i know what the foul lines are set at i'm about to get just rocked by this guy <laughs> i'm glad you had a good time like what'd you guys do like like is it just uh like slip and slide or i mean i don't know we did actually we did actually have a slip and slide we had an obstacle course pushing kids in a wheelbarrow basketball pickleball ping pong volleyball went to a karaoke bar uh turns out i turned my happy ass right around because I don't care if you smoke in bars. I think it's the bar's right to determine if you can or can't smoke. I hate when people are like, no, they shouldn't be allowed to smoke. Dude, it's their bar. Let them smoke. But I walk in, and this is a cloud of smoke. Not only that, it turns out it's a biker bar. Uh, sorry, but not pulling a Pee Wee Herman here and knocking over all the motorcycles. I turned my happy ass right around. <laughs> hey, did you end up doing karaoke somewhere? No, that was it. I said, no, we did trivia. We go to that karaoke bar and say, you know what? Screw this. I'm not singing to a dude named Jim with tattoos up and down his arm, rocking some leather vest. Not my scene. Did you know he would have loved it? You'd have some journey going on. By the way, what is your go-to? What's your go-to? Kid Rock. Your go-to karaoke is Kid Rock. If me and my girlfriend do it, yeah, Picture by Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. It's incredible. We can't sing at all. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's not what I expected at all. But um, I got a real journey every time, man. How's that not, you know, you got to have some sort of, I need some big moment that I can like wail. Congrats on being the guy that everyone hates, but something that people don't hate. And that's Casey Bierko. Casey Bierko is the best beer in the area, best beer in the world. We talk about it all the time on this show. And there's a reason why it's because it is phenomenal. I'm drinking the Dunkel right now. Haven't had a Dunkel in a long time. The Carolator, if you go there, is incredible. Uh, The Kolsch, 
perfect for summer. Yeah, I know. I'm double fisting this. Sorry, it's a Tuesday. Come on. The all-star game in baseball tonight. Of course I'm doing this. Uh, but I, it's true, guys. Casey Beerco is the best beer you will have. Also, if you go to the brewery, they have incredible brats, uh, great potato salad. Everyone there is such a pleasure to be around. You will love it. Casey Beerco. We appreciate them as a sponsor. Every time you guys tag us in your tweets with, with their beer, we always appreciate it. So Casey Beerco, try it. You'll love it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, Sterling, I, I, you know, we're kind of here. Here we are, folks. By the way, we're um, just to set the scenario for what's coming. We have on the 24th. So this is the 19th in five days. Chiefs rookies report to St. Joe. Um, and remember, this year there's 10. Uh, every year, Brett Veach normally gives birth to six tiny puppets. I don't know why I just said that. Every draft class for Veach has been six, six, six. Six, and then this year, like, the Chiefs had some kind of IV treatment going on. I don't know. Suddenly they're pregnant with 10. Now they have 10 kids uh, along with, like, Justin Ross and whatever else. So all those all those youngins, I'm just rolling with this uh, scenario, by the way. Uh, all those youngins report on the 24th. Veterans report a couple days after that. On the 27th is, that means, one week from tomorrow, one week from tomorrow, we're going to be hearing about what players look good, what players showed up out of shape, how things sound with the pads back on, what the depth chart is going to start looking like. That's exciting. Sterling, I guess my question to you is, has this felt long? Does this feel right? Like, I feel like it's been a good offseason, a nice long offseason, but knowing it's like one week away, I'm like, yeah, yeah, seems, I don't know, seems good. As a Royals fan, it seems extremely long, okay? We have nothing to watch except for Bobby Witt Jr. and the occasional Vinny Pascantino. So, yeah, this has been, this has been a very long offseason, but this is what makes it fun. This time of the year, one week, football basically starts up. You start actually getting a, a good feel for what the next season is going to look like. You start looking at who's making the roster, who stands out, who who's on the outside looking in. I mean, last year we thought Cornell Powell was probably going to be a lock to make the roster. Next thing you know, fifth-round draft pick at wide receiver, he's not not making it. Who's going to be that guy this year? Who's someone that you have tabbed that's going to be on the roster? Who's not? And we'll all see that unfold over the next few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting because this is a there's a youth movement, but we have 10 rookies. 10 rookies are not making this team. It's um, 10 draft picks are not making this team. It'll be interesting. And maybe we can talk about that another time as we get into more roster cuts and deeper in a training camp. But, uh, but yeah, there's going to be a lot, a lot going on, a lot coming up. There's going to be an exciting season. That's for sure to preview. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to talk some Orlando Brown Jr. Cause that has been the big story. Uh, I know there's some stuff going on. Jeffrey Shadia broke uh, a little bit of news surrounding him. And actually, we're supposed to have Jeff Chadia on next week, next Tuesday. I'm sure after I tell him, guys, trust me, this is a legit podcast. We're not a bunch of idiots. And then he sees the first, I don't know, six minutes of the show, you talking about pubs or pups and me talking about a family reunion. He's like, yeah, I'm canceling. But Chadia should be on next Tuesday. But surprised by a lack of negotiation between the Chiefs, between Orlando Brown Jr., were you shocked? Uh, completely shocked. I, I mean, uh, were, like, were you taken back? Because I, to me, I just thought this is a, it's a win-win. I thought, you know, I mean, the Chiefs made the investment first round pick. They've said all the right things all along, just like they did with, with uh, Tyron Matthew, by the way. And I got totally fooled on that one. I was shocked that Orlando wanted to go as high as he did. I was shocked that they couldn't find a middle ground. I'm shocked that Orlando's agent, dude, have we talked about this, by the way? 
I'm shocked Orlando Brown's agent is in his mid-20s. I'm shocked that he only has one NFL client, and that's Orlando Brown Jr. I went and looked up this guy, uh, Michael Michael Porter's his name, Orlando Brown's agent, and and not long ago, he posted, like, when he started his agency, which is just like last year, he said, I've been following every step I laid out. He, here's what he says, Sterling. This is great. He says, I, he says, I dreamed of this when I was a senior in high school for a project, and I have followed every step I laid out when I was a senior, and now here I am nearly eight years later. So I'm like, that makes you 25. You just made up a new business that you said you dreamed up when you were in high school, and Orlando Brown asks you to negotiate his deal with the Chiefs? Like, what the, what the ever-loving <laughs> hell is going on here? And this guy has no other... NFL clients whatsoever. I can't even find any client. I can't even find a gymnast, a swimmer, a German lacrosse player, some cricket dude from the middle of wherever, Madagascar lemurs forming their own fucking league somewhere. I don't know who rep- I don't know who represents him. I don't. I don't. And maybe I'm getting like really emotionally weird coming out now, but what the hell is Brown thinking? And so then, as you mentioned today, and I'm just going to keep going, Chidea Chidea comes out with this report, and he says someone from inside Arrowhead, his, his term for a source was a front office person, told him that, quote, Orlando Brown is not the guy that we thought we traded for. In terms of not in terms of on field performance, but in terms of we thought we we got a guy who was going to be a team player and interested in taking like a competitive contract as part of a greater team hole to keep the, the doors open. I'm I'm flabbergasted at the way the whole thing worked out. Are you? Yeah, I, I am very frustrated because I can I can see the sentiment of that. Everything Orlando Brown Jr. said when he came to Kansas City was positive. I want to be here a long time. I'm going to be the left tackle here for the, for the future. I, I'm this, that, and the other. I'm going to be an elite player here. Mahomes isn't going to get touched. All of this shit he was saying, trying to hype himself up, hype up how he wants to be here in Kansas City. Then he gets this, I think, very fair, more than fair deal. And he goes, nah. To me, the only other team that's going to offer him a contract like this is a team who is a not who's not in contention. Look at a team like the Jags, right? Like, look, think of a bad team. That's a team that would give a contract to Orlando Brown Jr. So this, to me, screams he does not care that much about winning. That's no. where I'm coming from. Maybe I'm overreacting. I, I get it. He's a good left tackle. He thought he had the Chiefs back against the wall. Well, he forgot they can franchise uh, franchise tag him twice. And by the way, what's it? Sixteen and a half million this year. It's around twenty the second year. That's less. AAV than that contract he was going to receive in the first two seasons. So talk about guarantees. Congratulations. You no longer have it. I just don't understand the thought process. I don't know if it was the agent. I don't know if it was Orlando Brown Jr. I don't know if he was telling the agent, you know what? No, I'm not signing this at all. No chance. So it wasn't on the agent. I don't know. It's just very questionable that a guy who talks so much about how he loved Kansas City, he wanted to be on a winning organization, a winning team. He wanted to protect Patrick, gets an offer like that. Yeah. And says no. Let me let me ask you something. I'm I'm curious about the way the Chiefs about what's coming out from the Chiefs, right? So so like all parameters of the proposed deal to Orlando Brown have been leaked. Schefter had part of it, Mike Garofalo had part of it, someone else had a third part of it. And and even like the average fan is able to piece together here's the guaranteed money, here's the signing bonus, here's the length of the deal, here's the total terms, et cetera, right? So that information all leaked out. 
And then Chadiha's report that says, and, and I, I think this is important to like parse down. If you have a if you have a crappy source, what you say, like it's very important, I think, from a journalist, how they describe their source. So if Chadiha had someone who was kind of like the wife of an executive or the barber of like Scott Pioli's barber, but he's bald, so that doesn't really matter. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, like if he had a, a second or third you extension. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I heard from a friend. If it was Ario Speedwagon source, he heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another that the Chiefs have been messing around. Okay. Here, here's what I'm saying. What you do <laughs> that's a great joke, by the way. Yeah, that's um, incredible. When you're a journalist, though, so if you if you have a fuzzy source, you say something like sources close to the team say. That's how you pay, that's how you phrase it. Or you say something like an inside source says. But Chadiha said, quote, a front office person, meaning that guy, I mean, that could only be a small part of that crowded room. And he chose it purposefully to give it, I think, maybe a little bit more weight. And maybe we can ask him about this next week. But to me, that even adds more credibility than like like some guy floating around Arrowhead who works in security or something. And it's like, yeah, here's what I overheard Brett Veach say. Here's more of a direct quote. And overall, Shania ends up saying um, all these great quotes about like, hey, we love him on the field. We want him to be here. But but the attitude is me first, not team first, and that everyone was surprised by it. Then here comes the leaked terms of the deal. It seems like Kansas City is doing a little bit of like throwing him under the bus to go like, hey, man, you need to get with a program here. And here's a bunch of information and quotes coming out of Airhead that normally mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't get thrown out there. Am I right or wrong? 100%. We, we very, very rarely see this type of information come out. Yeah. This to me is, is definitely Chief said, look, we gave him a very fair offer. We think that this was more than enough, and he turned it down. He's not Trent Williams. He's not. He's not David Bakatari. He's not. He, he's not an elite left tackle. Again, he is good. Do I want him protecting Patrick Mahomes this season and for the future? Yeah, I do. He's a good left tackle. He's not elite, and paying him like an elite left tackle only hampers the rest of the team. You did not pay. The Chiefs did not pay extra for Tyreek Hill to keep him here. So turning around and paying extra for uh, definitely not an elite player and Orlando Brown Jr. would just defy the physics of what you just did with Tyreek Hill. I just don't understand it. I'm irritated because he has talked all along about how he wants to be here and he wants to do this, that, and the other. He's playing left tackle for his dad. But maybe this is maybe we should have saw that we should have seen this coming. You know why? When he demanded to play left tackle and basically demanded out of out of Baltimore. That should have been the first sign that this is a, a me first guy. That should have been because he was phenomenal at right tackle. But I always had questions about him saying, well, my dad, I'm doing it for my dad to play left tackle. Maybe he is to an extent, but also, you know why? There's a lot more money at left tackle, a lot more money. And now we're seeing exactly why it's not just playing left tackle. He's playing left tackle. He could play left tackle for a top notch organization with a team with Super Bowl aspirations could be playing left tackle. But no, now he wants to get paid like a top left tackle. So we should have we, we should have saw this coming because irritating. The the other anecdote I wanted to touch on that that Chidiho's report mentioned. He goes on to say this, Sterling, and I I was taken back by this. He said that he I, I wish now I had the direct quote. I didn't I didn't transcribe this, and and everyone should just go listen to the report. It's on AA or go look up his Twitter. Um, at Jeffrey Chidiha, uh, Jeffrey is spelled with an I on the end. Anyway, he he ended up saying in so many words that the that when the Chiefs were losing early last year, 
and things were like kind of rocky and everyone was kind of searching for answers. He said the team had had enough of hearing about players worrying about their own contract and then decided to do something about it. So this offseason, Tyreek, no, we're not paying it and you can leave. Orlando, sorry, there's a limit and then you can walk. It does, like, like that's what it is. And I remember last year we we saw Tyron Matthew make quote business decisions, right? Like, like that's been that maybe with winning Kansas City, like Kansas City being new to like being new as a team to very consistent winning on the level that they are now. They are like the new dynasty. That what comes with that is an entitled sense for the players who think they maybe deserve more. And maybe last year some of the po- some of the poison in the water was some me first contractual attitudes that maybe soiled the team in some ways that we've seen reflected in the team's decision-making this offseason. I, I found that very insightful, and I, it makes me want to know more. Yeah, and if you want to take it a step further, what did the Patriots do with a lot of those? Maybe they weren't me first, guys, but we would never know because Belichick, they would get out early. They would yeah. get out a year early. You, you don't want to get complacent, and I'm not saying teams or players get complacent, but I do think there's some sort of, once you've been to the pinnacle, you have it. Now you're trying to get paid. You understand that your your NFL career is only a finite amount of time. So you want to win and you want to get paid. Once you have that championship, you go, what's next on the docket? That's getting as much as much money as you can before you get out. I think it's different for some players. I think it's different for the quarterback because you can have a longer-term legacy, right? If you are Patrick Mahomes, you will also get paid, but you'll have that longer-term legacy if you are a multiple-time winning quarterback. If you are the right guard, you don't get that kind, that kind of love typically. If you yeah. are a even a main wide receiver, but say second wide receiver, you don't get that type of love. So I think that's what we saw last year. Tyron Matthew, for an example, as safety, you don't get the type of love that a Mahomes gets in, in, in the long-term scheme of things. One week from now, 89 other players on the roster are going to show up at training camp. I'm asking you, do you think Orlando Brown Jr. will make it 90? Yes, I think he, he has to. Yeah, I think he has to. I, I think if he does not, no other team is going to give him this type of money. He's franchise tagged. Is he going to sit out? Is he going to sit out this year? Is he going to potentially sit out next year if the Chiefs decide to franchise tag him? Then then what? You've played left tackle for one season to begin with. It was not an elite level. What team is going to say, all right, he's played one season there. He sat out another. Let's give him elite left tackle money. Right. Brown Jr. has no leverage in the situation. If he does not show up, he comes off as a malcontent. What yeah. team has given him that money? He has to show up. You So you think he's going to be to training camp on time is what you would bet? I would assume so. If not, I think I think that would be a disaster move for him PR wise and for what he would potentially try and gain. It's a, it's a net negative if he does that. Do you think this is going to be a source of drama throughout the season? Depends on how he plays. If he played like he did last year, I don't think so. If he plays at an above average, good, you know, top what eight, eight to twelve. 7 to 12, something like that, left tackle, no, it'll be fine. But I do think if he plays very, very poorly, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come off like, yeah, that's why we did not pay you. Now, if he plays incredible, right? Let's say he's just, just this is phenomenal. He's the second best left tackle behind Trent Williams. And then maybe we're, we're sitting here saying the Chiefs should have given him a little bit more because now his value goes up, right? So it's a double-edged sword here. Yeah, I guess here's what I'm wondering. In seven days, if he shows up, reporters will ask him about the quotes out of Arrowhead, right? So if the Chiefs, if the Chiefs guy says Orlando Brown Jr. is not the guy we traded, we thought we traded for last year, Orlando Brown's going to be asked about that. And I guess I'm wondering 
how does he not create drama with his response? Unless he just says, I'm, I'm, unless he like pleads the fit, unless he just says, I'm not commenting on negotiations. I don't know how this doesn't linger in some sort of clouded way. That's what he should say. I'm only talking about football. We'll talk, yeah. we'll talk about contracts after the season because he's yeah. already gotten himself into a little bit of a hole with his initial comments. Remember when I said he wasn't wrong when he said it's not a good year to not pay a left tackle. I didn't say he was wrong, but I said the way he went about it was wrong. Yeah. It leaves a sour taste in your mouth. It leaves a me first type of player. And that's what we're seeing transpire. So if he does something again like that, I mean, you're, that hole is getting deeper and deeper. Sterling, I want to uh, switch uh, I want to switch gears here. We're talking uh, about Orlando Brown. As we talk about heading into training camp, uh, we could talk about a lot of positions, but none of them come to the concern of edge rusher. And so I just want to ask you a few things here and talk about edge rusher in particular, because on the verge of training camp, first of all, the guys that are on the roster right now competing for the well, probably five spots, probably five edge rusher spots that they're going to go into the season with. Do you think that all the competitors that it will down to currently on the roster, or do you think there's still a move to come? What I would like to see happen and what I think happens are probably two different situations. Okay, I feel, yeah, I feel like this is what's going to happen. The guys who are currently in camp, the guy or who are going to be in camp, that's who's going to be who they're choosing from. If you wanted me to pick five right now, if you're just going to go with five, you're looking at Frank Clark, you're looking at George Karloftis, you're looking at Michael Dana, you're looking at probably Joshua Kando and Malik Herring, right? That's five. That's probably the way they're going to go. I I don't think a good way of going about it would be getting a minor trade, right? I I know there's certain players out there that could go after a a Dean Lowry, right, from from Green Bay. I I just don't like the idea of a minor trade because you're bringing in a guy who's not – really done any sort of production in the NFL when you have other guys who could probably get you three and a half sacks who are on rookie contracts right here. You're not giving up anything to, to go out and acquire them. I still feel like the chiefs will do a mid season trade. Now you're probably asking, why don't they do that now? You're probably correct. I don't know if that's a situation where they, they want to see what Joshua Kando has. They want to see what Malik Heron can bring. Maybe that's the way they want to go about it before they go out and bring in a veteran. But I just, I just don't feel like they're going to go out and do something major, at least, before the season breaks. Okay. So you think they stay put, but you would like to see. I'm assuming you want to see. Because really, the, the four moves, I guess I'll profile this way. Really, the four moves they can make, and we've talked about each of these before in some way. The Chiefs can either make a blood trade. And remember, like, we hear Robert Quinn a lot if you're on Chiefs Twitter. Like, that name is thrown out there a lot as a guy that the Chiefs could go and get, right? You have minor trade. You just mentioned Dean Lowry. There's there's uh, Terrell Basham of the Cowboys. There's There are several other players out there who I who I actually like and I think could be good as. That that would be my vote. That would be my vote. But then you have veteran free agent signing like Carlos Dunlap, which we've also talked about before, Trey Flowers, Everson Griffin. And then you have just the patient wait and see approach, which is what you're saying you think the team would do. But what you'd like to see is 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 Dunlap. Am I correct in assuming that? Uh, actually, no. I, I'm more so talking myself into the Robert Quinn trade. I, I, I felt like I was fairly against it from the get-go. And the more I've researched and, and, and thought about it, you're not buying him as an 18-and-a-half sack guy. If you are, you're, you're, you're buying way too high, okay? 
But if you're buying a guy who's anywhere from, let's say, 8 to 11, 8 to 12, yeah. where he's pretty much been the past four or five seasons, right? That's a major improvement. This D-line needs people. And I kept saying, well, why would you do that for an 8 to 12 guy? He's not a superstar. He, he's above average, but not, not some elite pass rusher. The Chiefs need at least someone who's good to above average. They yeah. need someone like, like Robert Quinn. So that's the way I, I've talked myself into him because that's the biggest need for Kansas City. I think the way they currently are set up at edge, they will lose games based on the, the lack of talent, the lack of pressure. So while Robert Quinn is not some elite pass rusher, him being consistently above average is such a major boost for that, that, that group. I, th- I think it makes up for it. The acquisition of Quinn would take the pressure off of Frank Clark to be healthy for 17 games a season. It would take of George Karloftis to have to be reliably productive out of the box in week one. The best edge. Because right now, George Karloftis probably, at least in my estimation, is tabbed as the guy the Chiefs are counting. He right now is my number one edge player for Kansas City, and he is a rookie. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be reliably productive. And, I, and I'm and i even bullish on Frank Clark. I think Frank Clark's going to be better this year than people realize. I like the restructure. I like bringing him back. But you can't go into a season. And this is true of any position, any team. You can't go into a season with optimistic lenses on for every case. I mean, the, the Chiefs can't go into training camp thinking, oh, yeah, Joshua Kendo is going to break out. Malik has something in the tank. Mike Dana taking it to the next level. Frank Clark, going to stay healthy. George Karloftis, defensive rookie. I mean, you just can't think that way. You have to think in terms of, hey, rookie may not be ready. Injured guy may stay injured. Unknown player may never break out. Like you have to end that way because the NFL is just so tough to even stay healthy and, and, and upright like for the whole season. Yeah. No, I'm 100% with you, and that's why I've talked myself into getting at least a – solid difference maker. I don't know if if Dunlap, if Trey Flowers, how much of a difference maker they are. They would be better, you're correct, at least in my estimation, than uh, Kando, than Malik Herring. You'd at least feel more comfortable than having so many unknowns. You at least have some sort of baseline to go off of. But I do think Quinn in this situation is Again, not elite, but much better than the rest of the options. And since the Chiefs do have so much draft capital, like you mentioned, not all those draft picks are making the roster going forward. We're not going to see all the 10 of these draft picks make the roster this season. You might as well use those to bring back a player who can help this D-line. Yeah. Now, let me ask you one more question about defensive end then. Let's, uh, let's assume that your move is the preferred move of Brett Beach, right? And there's a few reasons to like it. One, Ryan, like you got him, he's good friends with Ryan Poles, and Ryan Poles is now the Bears GM, right? So you've got, like, there's some familiarity between one general manager and another at Chicago, right? But with that, like, what's too much for you for the Chiefs to pay the Bears? Now, you have 12 draft picks next year. 12. And a team like the Chiefs, you don't need all 12 draft picks. You got a first, a second, two thirds, two fourths, and then a bunch of seashells, whatever. So I guess I'm asking you, uh, what are you paying for Robert Quinn? I saw one report that said it would probably take a second and a third. Are you paying that? Seems a little steep, second and a third. That's Sky Moore and Leo Chanel. Yeah. You paying that? <laughs> Breaking it down, at least by those two players, I'm saying no, right? Okay. That's it's tough, so man. Weird. 
It's also Breland Speaks and Dorian O'Daniel. See, you break it down that way. I'm, I'm pressing that yes button so quick. It's Staples. That was easy. I don't know, man. Third and a fourth, count me in. Uh, second and a third. That second round is what really gets me. And obviously, if you're a, a Bears fan, you want that second. If it's second and a fourth, it's almost, it's, man. The only issue is it does improve so much right? It improves the worst position vastly. I would have to look and see what his contract looks like. If he restructures, how large it is, how many years are left on it. If you're getting, you know, a second to third for just a rental, I would say no. But if you have a plan in place, not an Orlando Brown Jr. plan, a legitimate plan in place, uh, then maybe I could see that happening. But that just seems like a lot for a rental. I'm with you. If you're the Bears, though, you have a guy on the trade block who had 18 and a half sacks last year. You got to hold out for the best deal, right? You're not buying the 18 and a half, though. I mean, for the Bears, that was best case scenario if you're trying to trade him. But I don't think any team out there believes he's a consistent 18 and a half sack type of guy. The pressure numbers do not add up to the sack numbers, right? That, That seems to me like a complete outlier. I guess I'm. I guess I'm thinking the Bears are gonna play hardball, hoping an injury happens, and that a team with serious need at at edge, who are just saying we're going all in this year, like it, you know, it's just gonna go. Let me ask you something. How many Pro Bowlers from the Chiefs make it this year? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. What is the count from Sesame Street? What's happening? Ah, uh, ah, uh, eight Pro Bowlers. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. One, Mahomes. Uh, two, Kelsey. I'm not doing that the whole time. Uh, <laughs> look, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. We're both on the same page on that. Everyone in America is on the same page on that. Uh, that's just got to be the case. I think the Chiefs offensive line has earned considerable um, praise. And I think they've generated the kind of buzz that will lead to them earning like actual awards next year. So I think the Chiefs' offensive pro bowlers will be uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, Creed Humphrey, and Joe Tooney up front. Then I also think three defensive players are going to make it. Justin Reed, Willie Gay Jr., because I think think all of America is going to go, holy hell, those linebackers for the Chiefs are bananas, and somebody's got to go there. And then I think you have Chris Jones. And then I think you have, I mean, if you have a team this good and someone's known as butt kicker, you got to include him at least once. And I think he goes. So I've, I've got one special teamer, three defense, five offensive, eight Pro Bowl performers who won't be playing because they'll be playing in the Super Bowl. Sterling, what do you got? Man, the Justin Reed one was the spiciest one. Willie Gay Jr. I can see because it, I, I think the talent of Willie Gay Jr. is there. Yeah, I, I just I, I need to I need to see a little bit more, and I want to make sure again this would be wild if not. Spags better play him on third down or I'm going to have an aneurysm. So (laughs) (laughs) let me wait until week one before I I, I count in Willie Gay Jr. But Justin Reed is really spicy. I like Justin Reed. I just, I don't know, man. It's not a massive name. And Pro Bowl is a lot about the the name, right? Uh, All pros different now. But Pro Bowl is a lot about the name. There's a reason why Orlando Brown Jr. was a Pro Bowler last year and not all pro. People know his name. He puts the name out there, right? I don't know about Justin Reed. That, that's spicy. Uh, the guys I have are Mahomes, Kelsey, yep. Creed Humphrey. Love it. Chris Jones. Okay. I'm going to go with Legereus Sneed. I think Legereus Sneed is going to do 
wonders in the secondary this year. I, I, I think that the improved safeties, that improved safety play is going to free him up. He's going to have a few sacks. He's going to have a decent amount of interceptions. Not Marcus Peters' interceptions, but a good amount of interceptions. I, I think he's going to take a little bit of the honey badger role as well, where they're basically going to be like, you do you, okay? We trust you. Play your game. So I think Legereus Sneed is going to have some eye-popping numbers this season. Uh, and then my last one, which might be the biggest surprise, is Nick Bolton. I, I went with a different linebacker, and that's just based on his tackle numbers are going to be through the roof. Crazy. Through Crazy. the roof. So I think he's going to have the improved ability on to stay on the field, at least on third down, as far as going up against running backs, guarding them out of, at, in, in passing situations. He was abysmal week one by the end of the season. I thought he did his held his own against Austin Eckler in some situations. I go, that's the best pass catching back you're going to see. If you can hold your own against Austin Eckler, that's major improvement. I don't think he's ever going to be elite, but if he's good, the tackle numbers will be eye popping. And I could definitely see Nick Bolton with some of his highlight hits make the Pro Bowl. Highlight hits. Love it. Love it. I love Bolton. I love Gay. I just love what they've done. I, I'm anxious to see Chanel. I just, that treat, that whole second level of defense to me has me very excited for the season ahead. That's for sure. Well, that's why I keep screaming. If the Chiefs had some edge and pass rush help, this secondary and linebacking group would look incredible. There's so much talent between so much athleticism. Yes, there's some youth, so there's a lot of question marks. What if Trent McDuffie never pans out, right? What if Justin Reed can't pick up the system? Like, I understand there are some question marks based on youth, based on inexperience or, or joining a new system. But those seem like the outlier situations. Those guys seem so talented, so athletic. The whole secondary and linebacking core feels like one of the most fun groups to watch in the NFL. And if there was any pressure up front outside of Chris Jones, it feels like they would shine even more. It's just difficult to hold wide receivers that long, especially in today's NFL, where if you breathe on a guy, it's a penalty. So it's one of those situations where I think they're going to be really good, but I feel like the numbers won't represent that based on the lack of pass rush. Boy, I mean, if they got Quinn, this defense becomes a talking point very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's for sure, uh, folks. If you've been listening with us, and and again, I, I know I speak for Sterling when I say uh, how much we appreciate anyone ever listening, ever hanging out with us. Um, it's always fun just to to, to interact on Twitter. Um, but if you want to talk a little bit more, um, you're always welcome uh, to join us. We have actual Arrowhead Attic memberships. Uh, if you're watching or listening, um, we had a happy hour hangout just the other night, had some trivia. Uh, I had to miss that, but I know Sterling was there. We Dude, had- it was awesome. I'll tell you what, that, that trivia was a lot of fun. I had a blast. It was our first time using this one uh, program, so we're learning. Next one's going to be even bigger and better, but it was so much fun. The trivia was actually it was good. It was a mixture of the show, a mixture of Chiefs trivia. Matt Verderam threw in a, a couple that were just like, dude, who the fuck knows that? But Matt Verderam pulling something like 1973. What happened in the second quarter? And in New York accent, he's like, oh yeah, I know that one. So it was fun. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Folks, if you want to join, um, there's all kinds of other benefits to it. We're also talking about um, doing some contests. We have a Discord channel that you can, for members only, that you can talk all things, not just 
Chiefs related, but uh, life related. And Sterling's there. Myself is there. Matt Verderam, Patrick Allen, all kinds of other great Chiefs fans. So it's great for community, great for hanging out. If you want more information, um, just look at where you're watching or listening to this podcast in the description for information there. Sterling, I want to end our show today. We're a little bit early, but also there's not much going on in the NFL. So we're going to end it here. Um, But I want to start a new segment. I'm hoping we can carry this through. I'd like to call it the must list because you and I, we are Renaissance men. Now, my wife may scoff at that. My friends may laugh at that. My Even the people watching right now may be like, uh, yeah, does Renaissance mean idiot? Because that then you got it. But whatever. Right? Here's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying we are men of great taste, men of experience in the ways of the world, cultured beings. Anyway, I just thought it'd be fun um, because I know you love to read. We, we love to talk about music. Um, I, uh, you know, I, we consume these things and then like you want to talk about them. You want to share what you're excited about. So I thought let's do this at the end of every week. We'll do a thing called the must list. What we think people must watch, what we think people must listen to, or what we think people must read. And if you don't have something for, for a particular category, that's fine. However, if you do, just asking for one thing on the must list this week in each of those categories. So again, it's watch, listen, and read. And let's start with the read part. Let me ask you this. If you had one book to tell people this week, hey, look, I'd check this out. What's a must read for you as we launch our must list? I'm going to go with Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. Uh, this has been pretty popular as I kept going into bookstores and seeing it. And so I ordered it and wow, incredible. If you know anything about me, not a sci-fi guy, sorry, dislike star Wars, not my cup of tea. This is a sci-fi book, but it has some quantum physics in there. Yeah. Nerdy. I know it's so cool. So well-written, so enjoyable dark matter by Blake Crouch. It's, it's a popular one, but it, it I just finished it and I go, one of the first books in a, in a few that I've read, I'm up to 25 this year. First nice. one in the, in the past, like six or seven, where I'm like, holy shit, this, this is incredible. Yeah. Is that a new book or is that like an older book? It's a little past few years. He just came out with a new one. I just ordered called Upgrade. So if you finish Dark Matter, I'm getting ready to start Upgrade. So there you go. Same author. My uh, my must read would be uh, I finished Dave Grohl's uh, autobiography called The Storyteller. Uh, look, any guy who hangs out with Paul McCartney on the regular just because they're friends uh, has a ton of great stories to tell. The dude played with Nirvana and Foo Fight. Like the dude played with two bands in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, what what more can you say about that? He's a the book is called The Storyteller, and he's a great storyteller. Uh, plus, I'm a big Dave Grohl fan, so it was it was fun to uh, to read about a hero. There goes my hero. Anyway, Sterling, what uh, what's your must listen for this week? Must listen for this week. I, I listened to it today, so I'm going to go with it. It's uh, Last Name Wilson by Charlie Wilson. It's uh, it's an album. One of the best albums, R&B albums, you will hear. Came out like 07. Charlie Wilson was from The Gap Band. If you remember The Gap Band, you know, Outstanding, You Dropped a Bomb on Me. Then he broke away from The Gap Band to do his solo stuff. Uncle Charlie Wilson, man, he is incredible. So last, what's it, for the name, uh, Last Name Wilson by Charlie Wilson. This will sound old, and, and it is, but I'll tell you, this year, Tears for Fears, which is like so old. Tears for Fears has a new album out this year in 22, and it's... So crazy good from front to back. I can't believe it. 
Like, do you I, have to shout about it, dude? You had to let. I have to let it all out. But that album is one of the things I cannot do without. So, yeah, I'm talking to you. Come <laughs> on, I'm talking to you. Um, yeah, you, look, any, look, any any '80s band who's still making music today, you're like, who gives a shit? But I'm telling you, this album is a total. It's killer. It's killer. Anyway, uh, that's my most. That's my must listen. Uh, Sterling, you got a must watch for us? I basically only watch sports, but I'll go with the show Archer. I love the show Archer. Uh, the main character's name is Sterling Archer. Um, it's, it's a, a it's a James Bond meets cartoon meets the most basically Matt and myself's humor, just very whimsical, making reference to random things that you've probably never heard of before. And it makes you look it up and go, Oh, that's really funny. And I learned something and the dude's a complete asshole. Uh, it's very funny. I like to show Archer. So I'll go with that. Archer. Archer is hilarious. I, I just finished. I mean, it'd be weird not to say stranger things because I just finished it. Are, are you into stranger things at all? You said you only watch I mean, the Royals are kind of stranger things, but uh <laughs> Is that, is that really all? I mean, I watched the first season of Stranger Things and it was good. I, it's not my style. I can appreciate the um, what went into it. I can appreciate a good show, right? Yeah. It just wasn't my cup of tea. I thought it was good, but it wasn't something I'm like, I got to watch this. Well, I, 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 I'm sitting here I'm like the New York Jets versus Jacksonville Jaguars. For me, that's must watch. Stranger Things. <laughs> Dude, Stranger Things, not only did it, it finishes so well this year. I'll say this. Uh, I grew up as a as a young boy in the 80s in a small town in Indiana playing Dungeons & Dragons with all my neighborhood friends. So every ounce of the show just feels like I'm watching me, except I'm not nearly as cool as any of these characters were. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's been really enjoyable. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. So that's our must with. That's our must wish for this week. Uh, suddenly, I developed a speaking problem. Maybe, uh, maybe I have the mind flare working on me right now uh, as part of Stranger Things. Anyway, Sterling, take us out of here. Um, this was the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Matt Connor can't talk. I am Sterling Holmes. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Connor AA. Follow myself on Twitter at HomestretchKC. We both have horrendously funny takes. Uh, you'll see Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam on Thursday. Next week, next Tuesday, Jeffrey Chadia from the NFL Network should be joining us. We'll talk about Orlando Brown Jr., all of that and more. If you want to give us a like, we always appreciate it. Casey Birko, we love you. Anytime you take a picture with that and tag us, we appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. We are out. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.